Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we're taking you on a road trip with us. We're actually on our way to Tampa, Florida to spectate a bare knuckle fight. Uh, my teammate Paige Van Sant is in the main card. She's the main event and I'm super excited to watch her fight tonight. Outside of that, we talk about my upcoming trip to London and why I'm doing it and what I'm hoping to get out of. We talk about the latest powerlifting gossip controversy between Joe Sullivan and Derek Thistlewait. Yeah. That's how you spell it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we talk about the mirage of Instagram in terms of making people think that anybody could be an entrepreneur and the flawed misconception that people have about what being an entrepreneur actually means. So we give you our two cents about that and what our recommendations are essentially. So this is a fun one. You're, you're in for a treat, let me tell you. So I hope that you guys enjoy. As always, remember to screenshot this episode, post it on your story, tag Hybrid Unlimited and Hayden Bow and Steffi Cohen, and you will be immediately entered to win some free Hybrid Legacy swag. So don't forget to do that. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. As always, sit back, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Hello. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, cruising for the next four or so hours on our way to Tampa. Yeah, I'm super excited about these fights. What about you? Yeah, oh yeah. For the listeners, we're driving to the BKFC, which is the Bare bare Knuckle. Bare Knuckle. (laughs) The Bare Knuckle. fighting championship uh event number 19 in tampa florida at the seminole hard rock uh, casino and hotel and there's a couple of interesting fights on that i card, mean huh? the main one let's talk about the main card because it's my girl Paige van sant my training partner i'm super stoked to see her fight today i think that honestly she's been preparing she's been training hard she's been focused training twice a day she's looking super sharp looking strong she's training with pedro diaz yeah which is obviously a very good thing say that's your coach that's the person who coaches yieldrum coaches uh who's coaching tyrone woodley for the jake paul tyrone spong sukan the chinese guy and so many other so many other incredible boxers so she definitely is in good hands and i think she's she's gonna bring something to the table that she hasn't shown before for sure 
hey, what do you make of her hitting the pads bare knuckle? Because I noticed we're she was. She, about that. I know, but she's the only one out of everybody who was in the uh, open workout who wasn't wearing gloves, and she was smoking them. Do you see how hard she's hitting the pads, all bare knuckle, like day before a fight? Yeah. Thoughts? Uh, I think that it has more to do with with the fact that her knuckles are are fresh, like going into the fight, because she didn't. So the way that we conditioned our knuckles, including me, our hands and our knuckles, we have like this this sandbag, but like made out of this uh, canvas material that's like really tough. Um, and we're supposed to do that like 10 minutes a day, you know, two to three minutes at a time to condition our hands. And then I think she only started boxing bare knuckle the last week or so, or 10 days before. And what was she doing? Just like hitting the pads in the back. Hitting pads in uh, Pedro's hands, you know, not nothing too crazy. Like the strengthening and the bones in the hands come from the from hitting the sandbag and doing like other like strengthening exercises. But she didn't spend much. Like she she never hit the bag without without gloves or without wraps. Like she 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 saves her hands for the fight. And I think more than anything, it's like a, a mental thing, you know, to so. Pedro's, my coach's background is in, um, what's it called in English? In Spanish, is Ciencias Pedagógicas. Does that make any sense to you? I have no idea what that, what that means. <laughs> okay, it's like, basically it's like... I couldn't even repeat it. If it's it's right. like, it's the science of... It's the science of teaching exercise. It's a degree that I don't even oh, think they have here, but a big part of what he does is psychology. So it's like sometimes when you see us do things that you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense, like from an exercise science standpoint. It's like a cognitive science. Exactly, it's cognitive science. They, yeah. they offer that degree in. Okay, UK, I just. Uh, well, in Canada, anyways. I know U of T had a program. I guess I just didn't know what the name was, but it's basically that. You know, it's like he he looks for ways to make sure that you're showing up to the fight, not only physically prepared but mentally prepared. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's some sort of like technique to like make his opponent make her opponent feel like oh shit like damn like she's not worried about her hands like she must be you know or something like that I don't think it has much to do with like physically as much as it has to do with her mindset and what it does to her opponent's mindset that makes sense um so Pedro's uh, background in boxing is obviously as a traditional boxing coach so <clears throat> I, I know you've seen an inside look into their training the does he have her working on things like uh, clinch and pushing? Because those are both things you're allowed to do in bare knuckle that you're not really allowed to do in traditional boxing. You can push in traditional boxing, but yeah, whenever we did... But like, uh, like it happens, but is it allowed? You can't just like allowed. walk and shove somebody. No, no, but if say that you're like close range, close distance, like glove to glove, like head to head, in that case, like if you wanted to create space to like throw an uppercut, you can. Like you can push with your elbow and then uh, throw an uppercut. Well, that's a little bit different than bare knuckle, right? Because bare knuckle, you can straight up just like toss somebody across the ring if you want. Like you can push them, push them in. Yo, there's actually a bunch of rules in bare knuckle boxing that people aren't even aware of. Like what? There's like, there's, I think there's even like a type of knee kick that's allowed that people don't know. What? Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. It's okay. a, it, it has a specific rule. Like Paige was telling me about it. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many things that you can do. The thing is that people don't spend time reading the rules and really, <clears throat> you know, that, capitalizing on everything bes- ex- or on top of just like throwing punches. You know, the clinch is big. Like the clinch is a big thing in bare knuckle boxing because your your hand is 
like available for you to be able to grab and grip, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's so, nasty. That's like, remember in Jake's fight, how many punches they like both got hit with just in the clinch? Like you don't notice it, especially if uh, you know it's a far out camera angle, or if you're if you're at the event, it actually makes a lot of the details of the fight harder to see, like from the stands. But when you go see the replays up close, it's like, holy crap, they get hit by like 10 shots when they're in the clinch like that. It's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you asked me if, if he has her working on the clinch. And yeah, I was explaining. Yeah, so. Stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, when we do uh, combat school. Yeah. So that's basically like specific drills every minute on the minute for 15 minutes, different combinations and different uh, movements that we work on. And a lot of hers were in the clinch, pulling, dragging the head, dragging the head towards your other hand, like pushing down, down, yeah, pulling the head down, punching up, stuff like that. Or like if you're stuck in a corner, or if you're stuck in a corner, you can um, you can grab the head of the other person and like turn them, stuff like that. You can do as well. So yeah, she 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 definitely she definitely worked on that on top of just the other traditional boxing things but i'm really excited to see it it's an anticipated fight because she fought against rachel uh Ostevich in the ufc i think she beat her yeah she did beat her she uh she beat her and now i heard her press conference she was saying that she doesn't even consider this a rematch because it's a different sport which which i like Who i mean i respect that? Paige. it's oh. like you know this is like a, a, our first fight again because it's a completely different thing and it is true you know yeah, um, they seemed pretty like respectful of each other in the thing too. It wasn't like a heated, whatever. Yeah, it was. Uh, the the one with um, is it Jenny and Brit uh, Britain Hart? Yeah. That I honestly love that. Like it gets me so pumped up. I have a theory about why fighters act that way, and I think that <laughs> what I was saying was that. So obviously, I have only one fight under my belt, but the opponent that I had, she was so cute. She was so cute and like timid that I couldn't even get myself to hate her, but I felt myself wanting to, just as like, just to get myself hyped up, to like beat her up, you know? And I couldn't even do that. But I think that one of the reasons why why fighters do that, you know, like in the in the public weigh-ins or, or like even on Instagram, like talking shit to each other is just to hype themselves up. Like to, they kind of like manufacture the story in their head about like, what a piece of shit the other person is just so that they go into it like fired up you know yeah i, th- I might have talked about it before on the podcast but uh, oh, yeah, podcast. sorry guys no well but i'm gonna say the other point too anyway was michael jordan did a, a similar thing whenever whoever was playing in the playoffs or whoever was like a rival in the league that year he would try he would intentionally misinterpret things that they did as either signs of disrespect or you take words that they said and make them fit a narrative that you know wasn't what they were trying to actually say and then he would use that to motivate himself to destroy them yeah and i like that like, and people used to say that he was such like a psycho because that's how he would operate but he understood what motivated him and just did that and i think you're right i think a lot of fighters do that exact same thing i haven't gone into Actually, I did get into an Instagram altercation. Yeah, which was, I mean, it's so funny. But she's the one that cared. Yeah. I, I didn't care. It, to me, actually, actually, to me, I was like, oh, this is so fun. I get to do this now. Actually, that's what was going on through my mind. 
and I was like, ah, this is so fun. I get to like engage in Instagram beef in a justifiable manner because we're fighters, you know, and like we want to fight each other, blah, 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 like that. Yeah, I mean, as Derek Tisselweight would say, softer than an old banana <laughs> that you left in your gym bag. <laughs> that's how that's how they took it. They were soft as butter. But um, speaking of which, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought the whole thing was ridiculous, but just goes to show you, you know, people are gonna find ways to twist your words no matter what sport you're in. No, everybody's friggin' sensitive nowadays, dude. You can't say anyone to anything. Like, we'll, we'll we should go into the powerlifting gossip after. Briefly alluded to it by talking about Derek, but um, before that, the other fight I'm really interested to see is actually two people who are not fighters. It's um, Blueface, the rapper, and that TikTok kid who uh, whose name I can't recall. But I, I, I'm really interested, and I actually want that TikTok kid to win because I felt the same way with... Um, who was that fight? Uh, Figueredo and Brandon Morelio or whatever in the UFC. One of them likes Pokemon, and the other one, like lives and breathes the like warrior lifestyle and which is Figueredo and he lost and what I thought was so cool about that that fight was that people like to wear this like oh I grew up in the hood or I did xyz and that's what makes me tough and it's like sure I'm sure in some ways that like hardens you in a way that could be valuable but at the end of the day the the sport has all combat sports have evolved so far beyond like I used to get in fights when I was a kid and had a rough life that like now it's a science now it's like who's the better athlete who 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 can identify what needs to be done and learn how to do it better and you can be some guy who grows up playing Pokemon and who is a dork (laughs) you know and you just learn the game better and you practice hard and you do all that stuff and you can beat these guys who look super intimidating and you know so I think it's it's interesting because this guy is like the guy he's fighting. I'm pretty sure is like gang affiliated. He talks about being in the Crips all the time, and then you got this little dorky TikTok guy who might beat him. Yeah. You know, and if he does, that's just another uh, sort of thing that points to what I was just saying. Yeah, for sure. What I don't like about that is kind of how how dismissive some people are at people's. Um, I don't know if they had like a if, if they didn't have if they didn't struggle growing up they almost like dismiss their careers to a certain extent oh well you know this person such and such is is you know was able to reach the top because they everything came easy to them whatever you know yeah I mean look everybody loves like a rags to riches story everybody likes to see the guy who had a hard time growing up win you know and that's that's what makes some of those McGregor stories so motivational and inspirational but at the end of the day, once you're in that ring, none of that really matters. Nobody gives a shit. You don't get bonus points for having a tough life. Yeah. You either win or you lose, and that's that, you know? So, I mean, that's. I just always think that that's an, an interesting perspective that most people just discount. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if we want to pivot into the powerlifting gossip that's going on right now... Let's talk about it. All right. So, from the research that I've done... It seems... Hours and hours of research. Painstaking journalism that I've done, which is actually just reading a couple posts on Instagram. Uh, 
this uh, a lifter who was doing the showdown uh, that copied the name of our meet. We were the first showdown, but nevertheless. Um, we forgive you. We forgive them. There's enough room for, for many different showdowns, so we don't take it to heart. But this one's called The Showdown. It's the one that I believe Pioneer sponsors every year. They usually have some big cash prizes. And uh, he, this guy, Derek uh, Thistleweight, is a great lifter, super strong. I think he squats like 900 pounds, you know. Uh, also funny personality type guy, like funny on Instagram, you know, makes memes. Yeah, big meme guy. He's got the handlebar mustache. You know, he's got... Long, flowy hair. <laughs> He's a character. Likes long walks in the beach. I'm not sure about that last one, but... Yeah, me neither. But, um... Yeah, he... Anyways, he was making a bunch of memes about uh, Joe Sullivan, who is repping this uh, apparatus, I don't know, for lack of a better term, that's called the breath belt, that's supposed to help lifters... Uh, learn how to brace, I think. Um, now, and the, the memes that are being made about this, Derek has made a bunch of different memes, um, basically like calling the things uh, like snake oil, like saying it's bullshit, whatever. And uh, whether you agree with it or not, I think he was just trying to have fun with it, you know? Like, I don't think he was really taking any of it seriously. And I love Joe too, so they're both, I like both of those guys. But uh, he apparently uh, was contacted by the meet directors of the showdown, and they said, you either have to stop making memes about Joe Sullivan, or we're going to uninvite you from the event. Now, and he made actually a pretty funny uh, video about the whole thing, where, you know, he does the whole South Park, I thought this was America thing, you know, and... uh, Yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, because I'm actually not sure if Joe Sullivan cares or not. He doesn't seem to be a really sensitive guy, but nevertheless, he is, I believe, some sort of sponsor of the meet, Um, and now you have a potentially good lifter who's, I guess he decided to pull out on his own just because he wanted to avoid all of the politics, didn't think it was fair or reasonable, so... No, I thought he got... I thought he he got kicked out of the meet. Well, they, they I think they gave him the option. They gave him an ultimatum: either stop making memes, or you're gonna you're not allowed to come to the meet. And I think he kept making memes, and so then he got kicked out of the meet. I, I think that's that's what I understood. No, before he even I don't think he's made any memes since. I think. Ah, okay. I think he just made a post saying he's not going to stop. Okay, so gotcha. he's removing himself from the meet effectively because he's saying he's not going to stop. Oh, gotcha. I mean, I think that they're both in the right in their own ways, because. It, to his point, what he was saying was that he's in America and there's freedom of speech and that he should be able to say whatever he wants to say because it's a free country, which is true. However, that is a is a is a meat put put up by somebody with with their own money in a private facility, you know, with their own rules and regulations and ultimately decisions. So they are also in the right in that if they didn't like his behavior, they also live in a free country to be able to make the decisions that they want when it, as it pertains to their business. Yeah, so I guess it comes down. Yeah, I don't think there's any legal or moral responsibility on anyone's side to do any one particular thing. You know, for example, 
if I'm running the hybrid showdown and then somebody has a, some sort of campaign against me, I'm going to say, you're not coming to my fucking meet. Uh-huh. I don't care how good you are. I'm not going to cut you a $20,000 check for coming first after you're slamming me on the internet. For sure. You know, so there's obviously that side to it. But I think where at least Derek and maybe some others, because I've heard some others were getting this, a similar threat, um, is that it, it's not Joe's meet. He's just a sponsor of the meet, and maybe that it's it's a conflict of interest for a sponsor to be able to say who can and can't be in the meet, especially when there's money on the line, and especially if that sponsor is also competing for the money against another good lifter. So, and I'm not sure if Joe's actually competing in the showdown or not. I haven't paid a whole ton of uh, attention to that, but I think that is where the controversy really lies. Yeah. At the same time. I don't know I mean he was just he wasn't necessarily attacking Joe's character right he was just talking about the thing that he's promoting yeah and he actually went out of his way to kind of, I don't know if it was sarcastically or if it was like legitimately but he at the end of every like kind of slam that he did he would write respectfully <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so it was pretty funny I don't you know, know. I, you know what? At the at the end of the day, I don't care. I'm not on anybody's side, but I do love that there's some drama back in powerlifting, and I like that there's some personalities who are taking stands. I don't care if they're right or wrong, but you need the 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 good guys. You need the heels. You need you need all this stuff to make powerlifting more interesting because. I mean, let's face it, the sport is lifting a barbell up and down in, in three different slow ways. <laughs> so, like, it's it's not going to grab eyeballs on its own. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it makes it a little bit more interesting, like, going into a meet if there's beef between two people or whatever, you know? It definitely does make it more interesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, and even, uh, again, to play, like, to the motivation aspect, people would, like, when you... when you were in the, the peak of your powerlifting career they were always trying to pit you against someone else like ooh Cece said this and Mariana said this and like at the very least for you it was motiv- it was motivating right to hear that you're like okay I can use this as fuel to train to prove these people wrong you know for sure those external motivators I think are uh, are valuable sometimes um, you know so we're we have to come back tomorrow because you're going on Sunday, you're freaking, you're leaving me. You're going to the UK. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland, and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch that's stay classy meats check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code hybrid in all caps to get 10 percent off this podcast episode is also brought to you by beam 
Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. Like the strong, independent woman that I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, do you have any more like insight into what's going on there? No, not really. So I got invited to fly with my with my coach and with my team over to the UK because there's a pretty big fight. They have two of my teammates are fighting for world championship titles in the uh, Golden Boys promotion. So I really don't know what I'm going to be doing there. Like at the, at the very least, I'm training, you know, with them and spectating a pretty cool event. But outside of that, I just honestly want to, I want to immerse my, same thing I did in powerlifting. I, I want to immerse myself in the, in the scene of boxing. I want to understand how it works from the inside out, what the dynamics are, what the, what the politics are, who's who, who's in charge of what, you know, all of that really interests me um, and ultimately can contribute to the, the best progression of my career, you know, the more the more involved and invested that I get. So that's mainly the reason why I wanted to go. I just want to network and make make myself memorable and, and introduce myself to people who are there. I was just thinking this, but what a bummer that this wasn't like a week or two ago when England was playing uh, the, the English football team, football with a U, um, because you could have gone to like a legitimate soccer hooligan bar and like seen all that that craziness. That would have been so fun. Yeah. Never tell you I went to a Tottenham Spurs game in, in England once? No. That was pretty wild. We... Uh, we went to the game and it was a, I think it's called a, a delegation or sorry, a relegation match where like if the team loses, they get knocked down a league. So like the stakes are pretty high and they had all these chants. Like, you know, when you go to a university football game or hockey game and they have all those different like, you know, things that the whole crowd is are in on. Yeah. They all had that. And I guess uh, Tottenham is like predominantly, uh, like Jewish uh-huh. so they had all these Jewish chants like they were the Yid army yeah. so the whole crowd was going Yid army Yid army the entire time and uh, when it all got out at the end it was wild it was just like a crowd like a sea of people madness no control like in most sporting events you have kind of you know gates that corral you to go to the right spot this was just like a giant mob of the entire stadium uh, and they had riot police on the horse, like with their batons out, like the everyone's yelling, people are getting in fights. It was a crazy scene. Wow. But um, in terms of like entertaining sporting event, it was right up there with one of the most. Pretty cool. That in sumo wrestling when we saw that in Japan, that I loved that. That was an experience. The whole thing. The whole thing. We didn't speak the language, so we didn't really like know how the whole event worked. And they're, I was, we we're like, what time is it? And they're like, um, eight in the morning until like nine p.m. at night. We're like, what? So we're like, all right, I guess we'll go there at eight. We don't want to miss anything. And what we didn't know was 
it starts with like all the amateurs so and the amateurs are hilarious because you'll have some huge fat guy what's up with the with the weight classes there there are none there's no way to be as big as you want so it's like so how do they pick their opponents is it based I on if there's like matchmakers or if it's like uh i i do know that it's it's because we saw the tokyo tournament yeah. and every big city in japan has a different tournament so it's like a circuit so i think you get points for winning and you don't for losing and then based on everyone's records that's how you get matched up but in the very beginning you'd have a dude who's like 350 versus versus some poor guy who it doesn't look like a sumo wrestler at all like he, he'd be like a hundred pounds and he's wearing this and he's still wearing the big sumo outfit you know the big giant <laughs> thong diaper thing yeah. and then obviously would just get chucked out of the ring so violently and i don't know if you guys have seen uh if anyone listening has seen a sumo wrestling match uh, I just realized we've gone on a large tangent, but I'm I'm enjoying it. How so. did we even get here? Don't know. But if you've seen uh, like a real life sumo wrestling match, it is so intense. You those guys sprint full speed across the ring, and when they throw each other out of the ring, it's not like a wrestling mat that's flat and you get thrown out of the re- the the you know the lines on the floor. It's raised up like three feet. So they fall onto the hard floor. And, like, those super expensive seats there are ones where you actually sit cross-legged, like, on the <laughs> yeah. like on the, on the the ground ringside. And it's all obviously, you know, those are really pricey seats. So everyone there is, like, you know, well-dressed businessmen or, you know, people of importance. And they're getting these giant dudes thrown from, like, a three-foot platform <laughs> into their laps. And I'm like, man, what an intense, like, place to sit at a sporting event. But um, once it got later, we, we realized that it was going to be like that for like hours. So we left, we came back, and then at the end, we saw the like the guys who are like you know, the equivalent of the like just the highest level guys in the world at what they do. And what amazed me is that the matches, it's just one round. You you sprint at each other. Some guy, one guy gets thrown out. That's it. There's no like all right best two out of three or like you get points it's like nope you you and the matches last like three seconds like a long a long one was like 10 seconds remember that yeah and uh yeah dude and then they they have this whole like like procedure of not like a dance but like this it's almost a dance they just don't do it to any rhythm and um whatever they do their whole like and like the bow and all that stuff uh and then at the end they literally just give the dude who wins a check in the ring for i can't remember how much it was we looked it up and they're making good money the best guys um and then i guess they move on to the whatever the next like place in the tournament is but we got on that from um you going to the uk soccer hooliganism but i think you should still you should definitely try to check out like a classic uh, English beer Bar? hall, like a, like a pub. I would love that. That'd be really cool. So fun. Um, anything else you want to see while you're there? Have you been to London? I have. Before? I I went when I was young though. I was 13, 12 or 13, so I don't really remember much of it. I I remember that I liked it, like that I had a a positive experience <clears throat> when I was there, but I don't remember much about the trip itself. Got it. Um, I I went during a similar period of time in my life too i think i was like in grade seven or eight also your memory is way better than mine 
that's true. In some regards, like yeah. like my my like your, your my long term memory. Deep, yeah, yeah. That's so funny because my short term memory is better than yours. Yeah. Yeah. We complete each other. If <laughs> you say so, it causes a lot of a lot of trouble. Yeah, but that's true. If you need me to recall, like I'm great at uh, anything pop culture. Like I can, I could probably sit down and just say the entire screenplay of the movie Anchorman. But you know what's interesting? That with things, even like movies that we watch nowadays. Yeah. Say that we watch a movie. Say we're watching a show. Okay. And uh, we we haven't watched any episodes since a week or two ago. Yeah. You, you're so lost sometimes. You're like, wait, who's this person? Or wait, what happened with such and such? And I'm like, oh, this is what happened with such and such because because X Y Z. And you and you go, what? No, that never happened. <laughs> and you make me rewind and find that place to prove, <laughs> to prove it to you. It. Here's the thing about me though. I'm really good at admitting when I don't know, right. but when I do know, it, and I say it, is because I know with a, with a pretty high level of certainty that I am correct. Okay. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not above 90% certainty about what I'm saying, I'll say something like, I think this happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. If, if it's above 90, I'll say something along the lines of, this is what happened. But in that particular situation, when you're talking about shows or movies, I think that's because uh, we usually watch them like before bed. And sometimes I just fall asleep or I'm drifting in and out of sleep and I miss key parts. But I think that's just an but excuse. In general, with pop culture, period, I can recall things really well. Yeah, for sure. But, but yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to switch gears, though. I want to talk about... Because I've been seeing this and it's been annoying the shit out of me. Um, and this is... The coaches who coach coaches to coach coaches who coach coaches that coach coaches on Instagram. Okay, so this is something I wanted to talk about. I wanted to bring up about, yes, we'll get into that. But what I wanted to talk about was about something I was thinking about. The, the mirage that Instagram is in terms of, didn't we, oh my God, I'm having a massive deja vu. Did we talk about this on the podcast once? I don't know, who cares? Anyway, but <laughs> about how Instagram... I don't think so. But no, Instagram or, or people making money on Instagram, they make it seem that like the process of doing so is, is simple or easy and that anybody can do it kind of thing, which is, which is super enticing, you know, and, and, and appealing to most people because if you, you know, all you have to do is open an Instagram account and start selling stuff, right? That's, that's, the, that's the perceived barrier of entry to quote unquote being an entrepreneur or starting your own business. But that's not what entrepreneurship is. Yeah, I'll tell you what is easy and what people get confused with when they're, with what they're actually doing versus what running a sustainable business is. People, what people do on Instagram in a fairly easy way, in a fairly effective way, is milk short-term uh, financial engagement of their audience until they can't do that anymore. So you'll see that where you know people will. Let's talk about training because you're in a training business, right? 
people will say, uh, okay, I'm opening up 20 training spots and like, let's, you know, if if you're a good power lifter, okay, you can fill up those 20 training spots for online coaching. But if you've never done it before, you have no idea what kind of time commitment that is. You have no systems in place to keep track of, of your clients in, a, in an interesting way. And you have a, probably are going to have a really hard time ha- making your clients feel valued in a way that actually makes sense and is worth it to you. And more important than that is there's no scalability to that. That's what I'm saying. And what happens is you very quickly are going to realize that dealing one-on-one with 20 different people who all need your time and attention and advice and form checks and programs written individually, that's insanely time consuming and you're gonna run out of hours in the day. You're capped at exchanging your time for money and that gets exhausting. What happens usually is people take on more than they can handle well. They end up uh, in a situation where they're basically texting their clients all 20 of them all the time obviously it leads to burnout and then people either their quality of service drops and people start quitting uh, or they decide that they don't want to do it anymore the other quick thing is like people get a bunch of shitty sponsors and then they push those and you know maybe they get to a point where they're making 10 grand a month uh, you know off these sponsors and they think they're behaving in an entrepreneurial way but really they're just uh, you know they're they're squeezing the juice out of their like period of relevancy you know all those people i see in crossfit i see in powerlifting where it's like okay cool you got a bunch of sponsors but what happens in three to five years when you're no longer competing and they don't care about you anymore yeah if your business idea or business isn't scalable sustainable and structured then it's not a business then it's a side hustle that's the difference yeah. Scalable, sustainable, and systematized. Yeah, systematized. Um, yeah, I mean, I, but I, I think it's even with companies like ours. I think people know that we've got uh, a fairly big operation for our space going on. But there's a team of sixty plus people that make that happen. There's 10, 10 people full time that just all they do is work on the Hybrid oh, Strength yeah. Coach app. You know, and. You know, people have just just no idea like what goes on behind the scenes. People see whatever is put out on social media and they go, oh, they make some, they get T-shirts made and then they 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 take some photos and then they sell them. Yeah. You know, but really what goes into that is a ton. We own our warehouse. We have warehouse staff. We have people who are in charge of printing, people who are in charge of bagging and tagging, people who are in charge of fulfillment. We have a marketing team. We have an email marketing team. We have people that run the Instagram. We have photographers and videographers. All of that is what goes into that. And that's what helps that business grow. It's very different than just being a person with an iPhone and and taking getting some shirts made at the local print shop and trying to sell those shirts, you know? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble or tell anybody not to, you know, pursue their dreams or or start whatever business they want to start. By all means, you know, I'd be happy to even help in any way that I can. But I hate to see people go into something um, just because they're they're influenced 
by something that is not real. You yeah. know, the highlight reel of other people's businesses, for instance. And I think that, that there's a lot of people on social media who are doing these uh, prospective entrepreneurs a real disservice by, by making them think that it's easier than it is because they're selling a service that's trying to show you how to do the thing. So, you know, so that's where I was talking about the coaches who coach coaches to coach coaches. It's like you have these people that are running these, these mentorship programs where they teach you how to run a mentorship program. And then you, then those people run a mentorship program on how to run mentorship programs. And it's like, it's almost like a pyramid scheme where it's like, if the first guy is making a hundred K, then he's got, you know, his disciples are all selling it for a little bit less and they're making, you know, 30 K and then they it just keeps going down and nobody's really selling a service. Like have you, I've seen the inside of some of these uh, offerings there are some courses that their entire premise is just dump as much money as you possibly can into Facebook ads because you're guaranteed a positive return. And it's like, wow, that's how you think business works? And you're not only is it shocking that that's how you think business works, it's shocking that you think that you are qualified to now coach other people you, you on know, how to run a business. You know what's interesting? So in the book that I'm reading now, it's called Zero to One. They call those types of people uh, indefinite optimists and the problem with that is it's a big problem in America that a lot of people have that same mindset of almost like uh, just faith and hope in the future that things will work out you know which is that it's rolling the dice when in reality the most successful people carefully and strategically plan what they're gonna do their moves plan what they're gonna do when they're gonna do it to ensure the most likely uh, or, or, or the best possible outcome and okay this is what's interesting about what I read so they were talking about why that is societally why we're in the place that we're at why are we um, overflowed by indefinite optimists and the way that they explain it is that baby boomers who are now essentially in charge of most of the important decisions and most of the big 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 corporations that are out there they grew up in a time where being an indefinite optimist actually worked because there was nothing set in stone. You know, they're coming out of wars. They're 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 farming a land that is essentially, you know, that that is primed for anything. There's so much, you know, to do because there's nothing. So to be indefinitely optimist worked. Oh, you know, just. Uh, Go to school, get a good degree, and you'll get a good job. You know what's funny is I now see that mirrored in a similar way with social media in that if you were some of the first to market, and you the fresh land that had never been farmed was people's mindsets towards social media influencers. You know, in the early days, if you had 10,000 followers on Instagram, you could monetize that very easily. Which we did. Which we did. You had 12,000, 10,000 followers on Instagram and right. I had 3,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah, I had more followers than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the the problem now, what we're seeing is, is that's not the same landscape anymore. And the companies that, that had good nice. systems uh, early on and, and, and did business the right way and survived, 
are now so far ahead. You know, there's so much like if you look at the media of all these companies, like Instagram is an incredibly competitive space to put content. You know, if you're again, like to go back, if you're just someone with an iPhone, it's very difficult to compete with some of these big businesses that are that have entire media teams. That's actually why I think TikTok has done so well because all those other platforms are so competitive. Like I was talking about Instagram, but also YouTube is, I mean, YouTube, I pull up on my TV. I access it the way I access Netflix and the production value of most of the stuff on there. Uh, you know, at least the stuff that I'm interested in is all done at such a high level. It looks like I'm watching Netflix, you know, with TikTok, you can literally still be a single person with an, an iPhone camera and you can reach millions of people, get millions of, of interactions. Um, and, and they're also, they're paying people, uh, who have above 10 K subscribers, uh, for views now too. So, I mean, that, that, that makes a, a lot of sense, but um, I still think that that's a largely entertainment-based platform, and it's harder to make money through there than it is through, uh, you know, Instagram or, or YouTube if you're already an established business. Yeah, because I think that people that are on TikTok are, are simply consuming content. They're not really going there to look for things to shop or for services or really anything like that, don't you think? Um, yeah, no, uh, I, th I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's, they're definitely there mainly for entertainment. I know that there's some people who are putting out educational stuff on there, but I just feel like the attention span of people in general who are on that platform, it's a lot lower than, than what you'd find on, on the other platforms that have been around a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I just think, I think that whole sort of like industry, for the most part is is a snake oil industry you know it's like the life coach who's never achieved any success in life outside of being a life coach yeah, yeah. but but honestly so i mean what i was trying to say about instagram businesses is not reserved only for people who want to offer coaching but really anything i mean look at people coming up with i don't know apparel uh apparel brands to sell on Instagram. It's not it's not easy, man. It's not easy. Even if you have a relatively large following, it's not easy to to you can sell a few, maybe to your friends, family and a few fans that you have or whatnot. But to sell in a sustainable way and continuously grow, you need planning. There needs to be strategy, there needs to be planning, you know, there needs to be a strong uh brand presence and there needs to be a, you need to build your brand and what it stands for there's steps there's there's steps and there's it's not as simple and as easy as a lot of people make it seem yeah and you said this well before you're like you know 90 something percent of businesses fail in the first year mm -hmm. just because you're you're on instagram or some form of social media doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you're exempt sense. from that you're just as likely to fail on a social media platform than you are, you know, in a brick and mortar business. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think like anything, look, people confuse entrepreneurship with big risk taking, risk taking, and it's not it's not that at all. The actual etym etymology of the word entrepreneur is risk bearer. It's about managing risks. It's not about taking massive risks. So and calculated risks. Calculated risks. So so 
you know, I would give people the same advice, whether they want to start a business on Instagram, on Amazon, on or an actual store or whatnot, a service. It would be to not put all of your eggs in that one basket to spend 20% of your time trying to develop that business. And when it's stable enough, when it's stable enough, then consider it, consider making it your main thing. Now, a lot of people get confused because they think that if they're not overly committed to that one business that it means that I don't know they're not trying hard or that they don't believe in the product or the service and it really isn't like that the, the example I love using there's actually two the first one is the story of Warby, Warby Parker how that started so Warby Parker is a company that sells prescription glasses and when they first started it was two guys that were in college I forgot where they went to school I think Stanford or one of those Ivy League schools and they noticed that the price that we were that people were paying for prescription glasses was astronomical and when they looked into it, it was mainly because there was a monopoly on the glass the actual glass that was that was being manufactured and and the materials like the glasses and the and the frames so they essentially found a way to produce them at a much cheaper rate and offer them at a fraction of the price of traditional prescription glasses. So when that happened, um, it was actually Seth Godin who was offered he was offered um, stock in that in that business and he turned it and he turned it down because those guys were unwilling to quit school to quit their school or school. Oh my God, I said that 14 times. Did I just have a stroke? Are you sure? Is it school? School! They quit school because I'm going to McDonald's, Hayden. Hayden's giving me the, the, the annoyed hand signal, you know? Well, we're just partway through this trip and we're just driving around the boonies. There's no, about, it's the been boonies. about 30 places she could use the bathroom by now. Bro, but... daddy's going to get an artisan chicken sandwich. Okay, now we know why. Okay. So they didn't quit school. And they kept working on their business, but to Seth Godin, he perceived that and interpreted that as they're not committed or they don't believe in the brand as much as they should, which definitely wasn't the case. And anyway, a year later, that company got valued at a billion dollars in their first year in business, and now they're massive, they're everywhere. So moral of the story, same for Bill, Bill Gates. People love saying that Bill Gates quit school to start Microsoft. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. Bill Gates asked for a leap of absence, which is different. A leave? It, what did I say? A leap? <laughs> he uh, jumped right out of school. <laughs> uh, well, leap would make sense. Like he would leap one year, you know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm foreign. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, he asked for a leave of absence for a year so that he could try to, in his basement, start this Microsoft thing that ended up being absolutely revolutionary and one of the biggest technology expansions that has ever happened in humanity. So, but still, he even though he had everything going for him to create that sort of business and technology, he still didn't take a massive risk. He took a measured risk. Right. He stayed in school. He asked for permission to do that. So that's what I'm trying to say. You know, take risks, but make sure that me that they're measured, and don't put all of your eggs in one basket. It, it honestly hurts my soul to see kids not going to school to start businesses online. It hurts my heart because you're you're gonna run you, you that's the mistake that you're making 
if you're listening and you're making that decision is that you're not keeping your options open which is the most important thing you always want to have an option a and an option b at least what what's going to be your your fallback plan if your online business doesn't happen you're 18 you can absolutely start an online business become an influencer and at the same time be in school learn some valuable life life lessons or yeah life lessons get cultured you know have some structure in your life network a ton with other smart people challenge yourself intellectually exactly i mean i did that i yeah, actually same. did that same i was in grad school when we first, when we started uh, yeah hybrid. i did it during my undergrad yeah uh you know but yeah it's uh it's definitely not one or the other and i think it's it feels powerful and you know it's a catchy thing to say right now you know you have guys like gary b who are just telling everybody to quit everything in their whole life and pursue their one dream (laughs) and i mean honestly to me that's ridiculous and completely unnecessary it's like nobody is a hundred percent productive if you're going to tell yourself yeah i need to quit school because i'm going to uh work on my business uh for every single waking hour of the day it's like you're lying to yourself you're not going to you need to do other things you're going to watch tv you're going to go out with friends you're going to work on your business i'm sure but you can definitely sit in the classroom for five hours a also day and last, still do that one last thing it's also not about doing what you love that narrative needs to end as well it's not about doing what you love it's about i've talked about this maybe not on our podcast but on other podcasts it's a japanese mentality that i love that i actually had a very similar mentality to my my mom persuaded me to not make decisions based on what makes me happy happiness is important but you can find happiness in so many different ways not just and it doesn't have to be exclusively tied to your profession or your career but when it comes to choosing a profession yeah doing something that you don't hate is important but also what are you good at because say that you say that you do something you love but you're not good at it eventually you're not gonna enjoy it because you're not gonna get praise recognition you're not gonna make money right so what does being happy about something do if you're not gonna be successful at all at it you're not gonna be able to provide for your family to get a roof on your head etc so it's a matter of doing what you love doing what you're good at doing what you what people would pay you for and doing what people need it's those four things that you need to consider when you're choosing what you want to do in your and life. And that's also just the entrepreneurial side of things. I think it's been so glamorized to be an entrepreneur in this day and age that people forget that you can have a meaningful impact in a field that you care about doing a job that you love for a company that somebody else owns. Yeah, that stands I mean, for similar values than you. And- you know, there's uh, we have lots of people in our business who, you know, they, they breathe, live, eat, breathe the lifestyle of hybrid and they don't own the business. But they're super involved, they care about it, and it's fulfilling to them. And I think that's just as good. Yeah. Um, Well, that's a good place to stop. I need to use the bathroom and get an artisan chicken sandwich. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you the next episode. Bye.